Hello and welcome to the Lead Generation Strategies podcast. Here with me today is Mr. Richard Blank and his website is kind of interesting um, call. We'll be talking about a call center. So this is Costa Rica's callcenter.com and that is Rica's with an S at the end. So not Costa Rica call center, Costa Rica's with an S because that's a, a possessive, I think, um, on that side of it. So Richard, first I want to welcome you to the show. It's great to be here, Joey. I can't wait to talk to you and your audience on lead generation strategies. I got a ton of stuff to share with you today. <laughs> Very cool. So Richard, tell, tell us what, um, what Costa Rica's uh, call center does at a high level. Oh, it's a very simple inbound and outbound bilingual dedicated call center. All of the agents here are college educated. They have experience before prior coming into this account. And as I say, half of them are inbound support for customer service. We do back office support and non-voice support with chat and emails. And then I also have a lead generation, appointment setting, and a sales department. And so we pretty much hire and work with everything. Very cool. And we'll probably get into that, the lead generation side of things first. So I just kind of want to build some context for everybody. Um, so what's, what's the biggest problem that you solve for your clients that you guys get? Well, a lot of the times it has to do in regards to the metrics. They may have certain expectations in regards to their calling list, the talk time, conversion ratios. And so with me, a lot of the times I'm able to plug into a list in a predictive dialer. I also have a quality assurance and a QC department quality control. So we're able to coach and grade the calls as well. So a lot of the times we're using our infrastructure, our experience, and the sort of, once again, the mediums that we have on the different verticals that we have to compare apples to be able to give our clients back a lot better intel and much more effective strategies for their time and for their money. Very cool. And Richard, have you done, have you worked for call centers or, or own call centers? What got you into this business? Well, it almost started back in high school when I was in Northeast Philadelphia. My favorite class was in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So I decided from Abington High School to go to the University of Arizona and be a Spanish communication major. Mm -hmm. Like yourself, Joey, I worked with public speaking, rhetoric, mm -hmm. and nonverbal communication. So at 27 years old, I had the opportunity to move to Costa Rica for just two months to work at a friend's call center. Mm -hmm. You and I will definitely take that one in a million opportunity, and I did. And when I was here, I was amongst hundreds of bilingual mid-20 Costa Rican Ticos that were on the phone, that were conversing in English, converting calls and getting wonderful positive escalations and great marks. And so for me, I got to see it from the inside and out. I wasn't C-level. I wasn't looking at contracts and the finances, but I was with the people. And so I could see the good, the bad, the happy and the sad. Mm -hmm. And for me, in order to start my own company, you know, X amount of years later, I, I was really looking to see what I could do to enhance the experience for the agent and for the client. And so by having that sort of experience in retention, support, customer service, sales, even search engine optimization with affiliate management and training and onboarding, it enabled me in those four years I worked with my friend to learn the business. But I will be forthright with you, Joey. It, it took me into my mid-30s to have my impulse control, to be mature enough mm -hmm. and financially ready to throw my hat in a ring and to start my own call center. So I wish I did it in my teens and I wasn't ready in my 20s, but in my 30s, I believe with the experience and the maturity and the sort of center and balance, I was ready to take the next stage of my life. 
Very cool. And so this is this the first call center that you've that you've owned or have you owned? That it? is correct. I, I'm seriously still batting a thousand. And you know, it's amazing because in my 14 years of owning a company and 22 in the industry, I'd love to give you a financial tip or trick or a CEO cracked code. Mm -hmm. But I can really sum it up, Joey, in just one word, empathy. Mm. Because I, I, they were treated like, a, my, my friend did a great job at his call center, but, but realistically, a lot of agents in this industry do feel like a number. Mm. They feel like a robot. They, they feel nameless and expendable. And as long as you can give somebody their dignity, they'll come back to work the next day. Because if nobody shows up, you don't have a company. And right. so for me, I, I started from scratch. I wanted to make sure I could break bread with them. I will know your name. And pre-COVID, when the call center was packed, I would walk the rows. I would stop and listen to a call and give a thumbs up to someone. And mm -hmm. I would listen to a call and give my own soft skills coaching besides the sort of things that they were graded upon. And so it's hands-on, not that I'm forced to do it. I got plenty of supervisors, but I love doing it. Mm -hmm. I still see the art in speech and it can be done with lead generation and sales. It, it just doesn't have to be carpet bombing Joey. And it just doesn't have to be sending out these informal emails to people. We, we can custom make phone calls. We can make certain interactions unique. So we can get that sort of rate of return that you and your clients are looking for. I love that. And so, you know, a lot of when people think of call centers, they think of India or they think of Vietnam or anything like that. So what's, what makes you guys special or what makes you guys unique? You know, you mentioned empathy. So I'm sure that's a big part of you guys' secret mix. Um, but what makes you unique versus India or Vietnam or anything like that? Well, first, I'm glad people are watching this on, on the big screen. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the Wolf of Wall Street boiler room. Sure, there are call centers like that. I dress like that and I could actually sell like that, but I'm not going to sell you a pen today. Uh, you're referring to offshore call centers in the India, Philippines, mm -hmm. and the East. Mm -hmm. There are caliber agents everywhere. And my hat's off to anybody that does this for a living and is very good at it. What are the differences? Well, first and foremost, in those sort of areas of the world, they're extremely price competitive. So mm. it's almost half my price. So mm. a lot of my clients are expecting me to do double the amount of work. I can in some sort of instances, and sometimes I just can't make twice the amount of calls per hour. Right. But they have an accent, but to me, an accent bears the mark of higher education. India is a real powerhouse for IT. Philippines, they're amazing in regards to empathy. They're very, it's a very kind mm -hmm. culture. But once again, unless you've lived in the United States and Costa Rica here, near shore, you could be on a flight out of LAX and be here within a couple hours. Mm -hmm. We're on mountain time zone. I got a half a million expats that live here. We're a democratic society in Central America. We have a 95% literacy rate with no standing army. And we have scalability because companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. So if you want to compare apples, sure. I mean, you could get twice the amount of agents offshore than near shore. But I would be looking for specific skill sets. Maybe you need someone to speak in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Maybe that you'd be looking for a smaller mom and pop sort of call center like myself that's very hands-on that could work with you in this way compared to a very large blended mixed center where you're just in with thousands of other agents. 
We all share the same equipment, you know, with our predictive dialers and our CPUs and our noise canceling headsets. So you can almost do a comparison with technology. But as I mentioned before, if nobody shows up, your technology is worthless. Mm -hmm. So my company culture, Joey, it really revolves around gamification. We spoke prior to this call today, how much you love my jukeboxes and pinball machines, and I'm going to find you one. I promise you that. (laughs) Um, I've created a happy medium so people can meet other agents from other departments that can let off steam, they can recharge their batteries, or or even spend time with El Jefe, with the boss, Mm -hmm. and do it in an environment where there's no pressure or duress, where they can have some fun. And so if anything or nothing, if you want to compare me to Olympic call center events, I think I won a few golds. First and foremost, I know everybody's name. I break bread with them and I play games with them. And I think those are three very good core foundation things that I do here to ensure very long-term employment and reduced attrition. Mm-hmm. And so just off the bat, my good friend, that's maybe some of the initial comparisons that I can make between my nearshore to offshore call centers. Love that. Yeah, I love that. And, and so obviously you guys have a competitive advantage uh, in, in the company. You've talked about a lot of different cool things that you guys are doing. Um, kind of sounds like the early days of Google. Remember the early days where it was do no harm and they had they had the big giant playrooms, ping pong and all that kind of thing. Um, almost, almost like that kind of atmosphere um, for you guys. So I, I love that. Now, um, let's move on to who you guys serve. So what what kind of clients typically industries, you don't have to mention client names, but uh, industries that are pretty frequenters to you guys' call center? Well, once again, there are certain things that are hot for a moment and then burn mm-hmm. out. But uh, we work with certain verticals here, like the inbound support campaign is, is with a movies and music company. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the old Columbia house. Our demographic is 55 plus female that receives these big books every year and calls us up and and orders their movies. We also work with law firms in regards to intake coordinators and support. I work with transportation companies so we can follow up with, you know, dispatching and follow up on the packages. Also with the travel industry, the real estate industry, the education industry, and sometimes the tech industry will set appointments for people in the IT sector. And so, as I mentioned before, well, this is a very strict Catholic country, Joey, and as, as much as I want to grow to 5,000 seats, I'm very selective of the campaigns that come in, so I refuse more than I take. And these young men and women have to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. And it's very important for me that, A, not only do I prepare them properly and put them on a level playing field, but we never compromise their ethics, values, and morals. Now, making phone calls and receiving them sometimes are not easy. That, that's part of the game. That's what you signed up for. But there are certain skills that we have here that can be very diplomatic and strategic. Mm-hmm. And others, and we'll discuss this later on in the podcast, there are some amazing things that we do here that I think you will find uh, interesting in regards to getting through to gatekeepers, Mm-hmm. And use, once again, these positive verbal and written escalations to assist you in closing contracts. And so I'm just really giving more of an advanced and quality sort of agent that would be representing you and your company in the best light. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So let's move on to that. Let's move on to the marketing side of things. Um, or, you know, I think this could be two tiers. So this could be for your 
business, Richard, or this could be for the businesses that come in that you help, right? Um, and so we can go in, you know, down both of those rabbit holes if you want. So um, how do your how do your clients typically connect with you? And then how do you market to them lead generation wise? So let's start on how, you know, how you're getting clients. Uh, and then we can talk about what you're doing for your clients on the lead gen side. Wonderful. A lot of the clients are introduced to me through referrals. And those are my favorite because people that have worked with me and believe in me will recommend me. And that's, it's not even a sale, it's more of a conversation. Right. But I'm very heavy with search engine optimization. If you go into Central America, telemarketing, call centers, nearshore, especially Costa Rica, forget about it. I mean, I I dominate Mm -hmm. in regards to those pages. And I'm not the largest center, but I'm very good on the internet. I do a lot of sharing. I write a lot of articles. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of podcasts now and videos. So prior to even meeting me, my potential clients have the opportunity to read about me, listen to me, and learn mm-hmm. a million dollars worth of free advice mm-hmm. prior to even calling me. Mm-hmm. So it saves me a lot of time on my phone calls. We're almost starting off on third base. Mm-hmm. And really what it is is more deductive reasoning where they will tell me 10 things and I will write it down and I'll be the second one to speak. I will answer each one in a forthright way to see if I am or not able to fulfill their needs and make a suggestion. And then I will always add one or two more additional points that they didn't ask about before to not just establish my credibility, Mm -hmm. but to let them know the extensive and the depth of what I have here in regards to my experience that would be worth that one or two extra dollars an hour. But as I mentioned before, I like people that have systems in place where I can plug and play. If they've been doing it for years, then I do have metrics I can compare to and the amount of calls they make in the average talk time and wrap up time. If they have email templates, if they leave voicemails, Mm-hmm. These are things I can listen to. And as I say before, I make suggestions. And, and unless I get a green light, I don't implement it. But there have been times where I've seen certain tones that I think were not appropriate or certain vocabulary where I had to explain to them why the thesaurus is important because I think I might be able to choose a word to avoid a rabbit hole. And I'll give you the easiest example, like help. It's not a deal breaker. But instead of using the word help, which might offend or, or, or could get the tone off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I prefer using words like guide, assist, and lend a hand. Mm-hmm. Those are certain soft skills. And in addition to that, instead of saying, excuse me, could you repeat that? A lot of the times, Joey, it's for my clarification or for our edification. Did you say one, two, three, mm-hmm. or ABC? And so these are things, once again, to reduce talk time, to move conversations forward. I will be sharing with you times to use rebuttals in certain areas like that too. Mm-hmm. And so it's more just about active listening, Joey, mm-hmm. and, and, and focusing on their interests first. And so those are the sort of things that I could see as being much more effective. Yeah. You mentioned some uh, ways to, I don't want to say, like you said, language is, matters, right? Get around gatekeepers. You mentioned empathy, right? So what are some, some of the tactics or strategies that you're using to, because a lot of times these big companies, you want to you go in and, and, and chase a lead there. They have a gatekeeper that's in, I wouldn't say in the way, but there's somebody there that's gatekeeping for the, the decision-making people. So what is it that you guys do? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess you don't have to, you don't have to get super specific to give away any of your proprietary uh, workings. I'm giving you my, Joey, I'm giving you my special sauce. That's why you <laughs> have me here today. And, and what I'm going to be sharing with you, my good friend, is something that once you see it, you don't unsee it. 
And after three weeks, it becomes habit. And it's my pleasure to share this with you. As I, mm-hmm. I just want you to know, I don't have a book to sell. Mm-hmm. There's no seminar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Joey's friend, Richard, that's here today in sunny Costa Rica, sharing <laughs> ideas to add wind in your sales. And once again, to increase your audience's ability to have these relationships. Mm-hmm. All right, my good friend, follow me through this. Mm-hmm. I believe that the attention span is 30 seconds to two minutes and every conversation has an introduction, a body and a conclusion. If you don't leave the intro, forget your body and conclusion. It doesn't even exist. When you're calling into business to business, yes, of course, there's somebody there that's filtering the call. My suggestion immediately is to do a company name spike. You still have your anonymity. So somebody, if I call your company for an example, and Joey, let me ask you a question. Do you have an assistant that works with you that may answer the call at your company? at lead generation strategies? Not right now, so it's me. Okay, so let's just say it's, it's we'll use the name Kathy for an example. Mm-hmm. So I'll call your company, right? And Kathy, it goes lead generation strategies, Kathy speaking, I go, how's lead generation strategies doing today? I'll never ask Kathy how she's doing. I'm asking how your company is doing today. First and foremost, it's the first three seconds of when I speak, I'm saying the name of your company. So I'm saying what you did better than you did. Mm. And I also have my anonymity. And then immediately Kathy's going to like how I said it better than she did, probably wants to hire me. And she'll (laughs) usually ask me the first question. Oh, that's great. What is your name? And that's when we have a, called a buffer boomerang technique. (laughs) It's when somebody asks you a question, sometimes they might have a negative tone. Like, what is your name? Mm. Well, I would say, hey, Kathy, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. I buffer her negative tone. Mm. I throw the name drop in there, Kathy. I say, Mm. that's an excellent question, but you can't say that every time. You got to switch up the excellent question with, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, and then I'll repeat the question to show active listening and then send it back as a positive answer. Mm. And so this could be done six to 10 times on a phone call, positive escalation or um, a buffer boomerang technique. Mm -hmm. So I answer Kathy's question. She likes Richard Blank, right? And then she goes, okay, I'll, I'll transfer you over to Joey. Before you go, Kathy, I just want to let you know that you did a great job. And when I speak to Joey, I'm going to let him know that. Mm. That's a positive escalation. In call centers, you actually get paid for that. Mm-hmm. So the call gets transferred to you. And once again, I'm using my anonymity. Hello, this is Joey, Lead Generation Strategies. Hey, Joey, I just got to let you know that Kathy is the best employee you ever have. Oh, thank you. Once again, <laughs> I'm giving the gift. I have momentum have my anonymity. And then you say at a level two, instead of a 10 in defensive, what is your name? Once again, a buffer boomerang. Joey, so glad you asked. Once again, my name is Richard Blank. And now we begin. So we're on a phone call, right? And then Joey asks me a second question. Okay, Richard, I like you. What do you do? Joey, I'm so glad that you brought that up. This is what I do. A, B, C, and D. No desert pitching. You need an oasis so you can drink and rest. I will give you A, present it like a dessert tray. See if you make a noise or a reaction, a positive or a negative reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And let's just say you like A. So instead of a horizontal, now I put you into a vertical and start stacking you with open-ended questions. You understand that. Now I get mm-hmm. explanations. So we go through that, right? And you're explaining to me what you like about A. I haven't even gotten B, C, or D yet. But this is what we need to know. There are certain times on your call, Joey, where you have a phonetic micro expression reading. Mm. I believe phonetics is broken down into four parts, your tone, rate, pitch, and duration. Mm. 
Your tone is your consistent variable that should always be positive and empathetic. But what about the mirror imaging technique? I got you, Joey, but don't mirror image a negative tone. Here's consistent. You match them in their rate and their speaking level, okay? And why do we do this every 30 seconds to two minutes? Because I don't know you. And I just want to make sure that when I'm speaking with you, sight unseen, because I can't taste, touch, or smell, you could only listen, which gets expanded, and using your image streaming, because you can't see them, so now it's more imagination. Mm -hmm. So every 30 seconds to two minutes, if you're not making a noise, if you're not typing something or writing something, you might do a spike or a dip in regards to how you speak, in regards to your phonetics, not the semantics, not what you say, how you say it. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I will usually interject and say, uh, tie down or a, 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 a rebuttal. I would ask if it makes sense mm -hmm. or sounds good, right, Joey? Or once again, for my clarification. Now, why for my clarification? Because a lot of us are working from home now mm -hmm. and there could be a dog barking in the background. So inadvertently and passive aggressively, what I recommend to you and your audience is to let them know, A, the Me Too technique. I love dogs too, Joey, great. Yeah. <laughs> and I do the follow-up question. What's the dog's name? Wolf, wolf, wolf. And you say, it's, it's Fluffy. Great. Put him outside. I love Fluffy. So you put Fluffy outside. You come back. You apologize. No worries. And that's usually when I anchor you. What do you mean? I'm not pitching you on what I'm doing. I'm not trying to close you. We're probably going to talk about your dog for a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And that's when you say to me, once again, what is your name? Joey, I'm so glad that you asked again. Once again, my name is Richard Blank. And now you're name dropping me the rest of the call. Mm -hmm. and so after I give you the list and I stack it, and I'm sure you like at least one, which you mentioned to me, mm -hmm. now we're at the conclusion of the call. And I will say, Joey, since you still have me on the phone, are there any questions you have? You told me you liked A. Remember B, C, and D. Well, you like D. Now we stack it and say it again. I confirm any information you have with the military alphabet, because mm -hmm. once again, the call should be ending. But the next thing you know, you served, you know, someone that served or is just Memorial Day. We're going to be talking about that mm -hmm. and how proud we are. Right. But I'm still not done. When I'm finished the call, I'm going to write to you and explain how amazing Kathy was to assist me in the beginning, besides the other bells and whistles that we spoke about. Mm -hmm. So then when I call you back and Kathy answers the phone, she's going to say, Richard, I just got to let you know in the last 10 years, no one's ever said something like that about me. And so... That's the Richard circle. Mm -hmm. And once I get transferred to you again, it's just constant positive reinforcements. Mm -hmm. And these are the sort of things that instead of making 100 phone calls a day, Joey, why don't you make 89? Why don't you take a couple extra minutes to do positive escalations, to rake the call? I'm sure you like at least one. Mm -hmm. Use these spikes and dips. Or if you're just leaving a voicemail, take an extra 30 seconds to look at a LinkedIn profile or their website so you can custom make that recording or that email. And so these are the sort of metrics that I've seen increase by just custom making it. So if you're just gonna carpet bomb this stuff, you become a print, you're not really a painting, mm -hmm. you're a character, Joe, you're just not in character. Mm -hmm. Remember when you made your first podcast, remember when you started out how raw you were Mm -hmm. right? And the essence of what it was to Joey to begin all this stuff. That's what I want the people to still have today. You can be polished. You can know your stuff and be well rehearsed. But Joey, we need to talk about your dog or about your trip to Costa Rica on your honeymoon with your beautiful wife 
or when you were playing semi-professional baseball, which is pretty cool. I mean, these are things, Joey, where we get to learn about one another and share with each other. And then at the end, that's when the contracts are signed. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, that's a great, and that there's a lot of science to that. And I, I can tell you're, you're well researched um, when it comes to that whole science of from the beginning to the end of that conversation. And, and I, I love that. Um, when you hire an agent on, are they... No, I know a lot of it is putting the right people in the right seat. So do you have a certain kind of filter, personality test, things like that? Are you, are you uh, filtering them at the beginning from that? Or are you coming in and you completely re retraining them? So are, do they already have what already you need? And then you're, you're nurturing that? Or are you taking them completely blank and, and bringing them in and retraining them? Well, first, no pun intended on that blank Link. comment. I love that. <laughs> but that's why you have the best podcast, Joe. You ask, you really do ask the best questions. Let me answer it in two ways for you. I can bring somebody in that has the experience, but once again, they could have terrible habits. Mm -hmm. I also agree in right bus, right seat. They belong at the center, but where could they be the best? And also, where is their potential? Now, in order for me to scale, I may need to bring in a freshman doesn't matter that they don't have call center experience. You and I could easily teach them how to use a CRM and a phone system. Mm -hmm. That takes just one hour and they're very bright. They could do that with their, their you know, hands tied behind their back. Mm -hmm. But I'm really looking for somebody that shows up on time, front row center, pen at the ready. Mm -hmm. Instead of just absorbing, they start contributing during class. I like kids like that. And, and to me, I'm looking to delegate and to promote. It doesn't matter if you're with me one day or 10 years, boy or girl, young and old. Mm -hmm. I see somebody with that sort of spirit. I like to, as you say, nurture it. And for me, since I'm a guest in this country, not saying it's better or worse, but I'm able to bring them certain experiences I had in Philadelphia and in Arizona and just by being a business owner. Now, mind you this, being a business owner, you have leverage. You could make or break somebody. You could hire or fire somebody. You and I, as business owners, we, we choose the former. Mm -hmm. it, it's very important for us in this delicate stage in their life to break any sort of bad stereotypes of a boss would have because, you know, fear is a morbid anticipation, Joey, is something that hasn't happened yet. If they're afraid of me, they're not going to produce. And I have to put it in perspective immediately with them. Two things. First is I'm the only boss pretty much that introduced myself to them. They always tell me that. And second, by learning a, a, another language is 10 times harder than what they're about to do on the phone. So I just want them to calm down for a minute. I'm gonna walk them through it. I'll more than prepare them. And hopefully I'll be the last boss that they ever have. Mm -hmm. And so by telling them this before they even walk into class, and this is when we're in the game room at recess before they even start training, uh, I think I can reduce any sort of fear. I can bring back any sort of apprehension. Mm -hmm. And eventually somebody can just open up and dare to make a mistake. And if they're willing to not be vulnerable, but be coachable, there's no reason you and I can't create all-stars. You understand that. You're, look what your coaches did to you when you were in the peewee league and then in high school. You had some amazing coaches in your youth that got you to division one baseball. Mm -hmm. And I find that amazing that they believed in you. They got you there during the tough days when you didn't want to practice. If you struck out or missed a ball, it's, 
it's pick yourself back up sort of time. And so I, I believe that this coaching that you and I received from athletics can be brought into business because it's the same sort of structure and discipline. Joey, it's the same sort of dedicated practice, my friend, you and I did when we were not with our teammates, practicing hitting and catching with your buddies in the neighborhood or just studying tapes or just, or just reviewing it with yourself, you know, with the ball against the wall, just catching it yourself. Mm -hmm. I used to do that with hockey. I used, to, I used to, you know, take shots on the net when no one was around. Mm -hmm. And I respect somebody that can invest time in themselves. And if they do something like that, then all I wanna do is to give them a little bit more structure to increase that sort of skill set and momentum. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, and what's great with coaches is that you can learn a lot of good things and you, know, you take a lot of good things away from coaches. And then there are also some things that you learn how not to coach. And, and that's from peewees all the way up through wherever, however high somebody gets in that's any right. sport, doesn't matter, not baseball, but anything hockey, like you mentioned, um, you take and you, like, what was it? Bruce Lee said, you take what is useful, you uh, adapt what is useless, and then you discard the rest type of thing. Right. And exactly. um, so that's that. I love that. So, we, you know, it sounds like we're on the kind of the same wavelength when it comes to whether it's managing people or coaching people or, you know, whatever kind of word that you want to use. Um, so we're kind of near in near in time here. I did want to ask you what kind of maybe top challenge or, or two challenges that that you're you're experiencing in the business that maybe somebody in, in my network or myself uh, could possibly help with. Well, since we do compete against Amazon, my largest challenge is natural attrition. Mm -hmm. I don't fire people. Mm -hmm. People will leave me because of a scheduling conflict closer to their home or their boyfriend or girlfriend works there. So I can't take it personal. I get disappointed more than I do angry because someone could be with me for years and all of a sudden they peace out and don't give me a two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to start strong with me, it'd be great that we just end a working relationship, but still have a normal mutual friendship. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one of the things that come up, but I'm used to it. That's, that's part of the game. And as I say before, if I treat them with dignity and give them all of my resources, there's no reason why someone should leave in haste or to be pissed off. And mm -hmm. I guess the second thing is the language skill set, And it's, it's very rare, but if there is a certain code red situation, because a lot of the times things happen outside the call center, Joey, which may affect their performance here. And so I will allow someone to get off the floor to be able to discuss with us what's going on in their native tongue originally, so they can just get it out. And then for my own clarification, I do ask them to speak in English what they just said as well, even though I am bilingual. So just in case there's that 5% where it can blend together and to make sure that we're on the same page. And then I will do the same in Spanish and in English. And then if it's super code red, I bring in a floor manager to speak for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanna make sure when there's heightened emotion, that it just doesn't get out of hand. Mm. So somebody who's having one of the worst days of their life does something, let's say foolish mm -hmm. and leaves when they really wasn't necessary or shouldn't have gone there. And so I've realized that my Philadelphia way to motivate you and you in California and Fresno, the rah-rah, mm. it could be appropriate, but sometimes it may not be. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just taking certain delicate situations in a certain way that I'm, I'm very, very careful in regards to my delivery and my message and how I receive their message. And, and for the most part, my friend, as long as you once again, listen attentively and you repeat what they say to make sure we're on the same page, you can pretty much 
reduce any sort of friction and, and resolve most of these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good, good points, good points. So, Richard, um, so just kind of nearing the the close here. Uh, you know, a lot of great, wonderful information. I think really any industry can can take what the advice that you've given today and can use that. Um, and and so, you know, your website, Costa Rica's callcenter.com again the s at the end of rica right rica's call center because it's right. possessive <laughs> where can people find you if people wanted to reach out uh, maybe if you wanted to put your email out there up to you social media where can people find you to get more information well kind of like what you and your wife did you guys should grab a plane ticket to fly down here and come visit <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. But if you want to give me a call, 888-271-6750 or shoot me an email, CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And, and finally, and this is where you're going immediately, we have a very large Facebook fan page, Costa Rica's call center. It's about 98,000 Ticos currently. And it'll give you the pulse on what's happening here in Central America during the day and at night. But these Ticos can't wait to meet you, Joey. So I, 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 I'm very much looking forward to putting our episode on there. It's a great community. And, and we, like I mentioned before, we got on this call on this interview uh, on the pre pre uh, call of the interview, um, my wife and I 10 days spent there uh, mm-hmm. on a honeymoon trip where we were probably brought down the average age of our tour down to about 70 years old, right? Um, we were in our mid twenties at the time, but we fell in love with Costa Rica and the different cities that we visited. And I mean, I don't know how many times we said, boy, it'd be great to, to move here. I mean, like you said, it's, it's on the same Pacific standard time. It's, uh, like you said, an hour what, or, uh, it was an hour, did you say hour, two hours or so just South. Um, it, great food, great scenery, great people. I mean, it's all great. The only thing was, is that we were, we had, didn't have kids yet. As you can see in the background, we got our two right here. We got Noah and Grayson, um, and our, our hand, our handlers of handlers. So our grandparents wouldn't have been able to pick up and move and go there either. So we wouldn't have had, I mean, we could have had Ticos and Ticas to, to help out, I guess, but we wouldn't have had our own um, uh, grandparents to, to help out. So we're like, well, let's, let's do that first. And then maybe someday we could, we could head out there, but Hey, I commend you uh, very honorable what you're doing with the business and, and the people that you're, that you have employed with you guys. Sounds like you guys are doing a great job. Um, but I wanted to thank you for your time today, Richard, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Poor Vita, Joey had a great time today. <laughs> thank you, sir.